says on him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us what a great statement of faith do you love to worship the Lord I mean, he has created us for this he has created us for this. that's why you exist that's why I exist Well, this morning we're continuing through 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 9. We've been in 8 and 9, and for the last few weeks I've been talking on this subject of, of giving because that's what Paul was talking about for the last two chapters. Paul began talking about this issue of your resources. He's been talking about this issue of, of your money. And so this Sunday is the last Sunday that we're going to look at this subject of money. Now, I thought you would have been kind of disappointed so and go like, oh, man. So let's just try that again. So this will be the last week that we'll look at the issue of money. Thank you. That makes me feel better. And so next week, we start looking at this issue of criticism because, you know, Paul dealt, dealt with the same things that we deal with today. Whenever you talk about money, you're going to get criticism. And so next week, we'll begin looking at this issue of how to deal with criticism when criticism comes in your life. But this week, as we finish up this talk about, about giving and about your finances and about your resources, I want you to understand that, that Paul had one message. Fact is, the Bible had one message about financial advice, and that was this issue to give. Now listen, we know, and if you've talked to financial advisors, worldly finance, financial advisors, the world will tell you this is the way that you kind of handle your finances. You save, you invest, and then you just kind of indulge yourself. That you save, you invest, and you indulge yourself. And admittedly, worldly financial advisors, most financial advisors will tell you it's good to give. They'll talk about that, but the problem is what financial advisors will tell you, they'll tell you that you need to give out of your abundance. Give out of your leftovers after you've saved, after you've invested, after you've indulged yourself and bought everything that you could ever imagine. If you have something left over, then just give out of your resources. Give out of your abundance. But God's word says this, that we're to give first to him and live off the abundance See, I'm a huge believer in this principle of first. You see this principle of first all through Scripture, that, that if you give the first part of your day, he will bless the rest. I know that personally in my life, that I, if I will give him the first part of my day, that he'll bless the rest of my day. I sense it those days that I'm too busy and, and stressed or whatever, and you hit the ground running, and you feel like, you know what? I absolutely do not have time this morning. I'll catch up with it as I go to bed, in the evening, whatever. I know the difference that happens in my life on those days. The scripture teaches you give him the first part of your day, he'll bless the rest. You give him the first part of your income, what scripture teaches, he'll bless the rest. You give him the first part of your relationships. You put him first in your relationships, he'll bless the relationships. He'll bless the rest. It's all through Scripture about this issue of first. In fact, is when I took a group here a while back to Israel, and, and I can't remember, we were either in Jerusalem or uh, in a hotel there or overlooking the Sea of Galilee. I honestly can't remember, but I was going through Romans, and I came across and learned a new first. fact is, God spoke it directly into my life as I was reading Scripture. It says this in Romans 1.16. He says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is a power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. And watch this. Here's the principle of the first. To the Jew first, and then to the Gentile. And I'm telling you, after spending days in the Holy Land and looking Jewish people in the eyes and seeing the different sights, 
And I started thinking about how much of our resources goes to the Jew. And I started thinking all of our mission money, all of our evangelism goes to the Gentile. Fact is, I'm willing to bet most of the churches that you have been a part of in your past, the Jews weren't even on their radar screen. Fact is, there's some Christian churches who will speak negatively or disparagingly about the Jew because they haven't accepted Jesus Christ. And then I read this that says, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. A couple of nights later, a pastor, a local pastor heard we were there and called through our guide. The guide called me and said, hey, could you go downstairs and meet with a local pastor that of a Messianic Jewish church? In other words, it's a completed Jew, a church that believes in the, the Messiah and Jesus Christ. And, and could you go meet with him? So I went down and sat in the bar with him and we talked for a long time. And, and through that relationship, I just want you to know, our church believes in the first and our church now supports a Messianic Jewish church in Jerusalem. That their mission, their goal is to evangelize the Jewish people within their people group. And that is a tough group. I'm telling you, I believe this not only individually, but corporately. If a church will understand the first if a church will bless others, God will bless the church. You see, this in the Old Testament, this was called first fruits. That you were to give your first fruits, your first of your harvest back to him, and he'll bless the rest. You were to give your first spoils from battle and from war that, back to him. It was already his to begin with. See, it was holy. It was set apart. Regardless whether we honor him with our wealth or not, it is his. And you understand this issue of faith and... See, the difference of faith is this, is when we give away our first, when we give away our first fruits, we're depending on God to provide the rest. When we don't give out of our abundance and we don't give out our leftovers, when we give out our first fruits, we're saying to God that, you know what, I'm demonstrating faith here. That you continue to provide. And, and so I, this morning I just got, I got one principle that's been working in, my life and my mind for for many years it's all the way through scripture it's we'll see it evident in what paul was talking about i mean not only did jesus talk about your wealth more than any other subject this letter to the corinthians two chapters were devoted two chapters because you can look at your priorities with your wealth you can look at your wealth. You can look at how you spend your wealth, and you can know where your priorities are. So the principle is this. It is possible to give without loving. But it is not possible to love without giving. It is possible to give without loving someone. It is possible to, love without gi to, to give without loving an organization. It's possible to give without loving an individual. You can give out of ulterior motives. You can give because you want something. You can give because, in fact, as financial advisors, some of the reason and the advice that they give to people, the reason that you should give is to reduce your tax burden. So it is true. You can give without loving. But it is impossible 
You cannot love without giving. We were wired. You know this. In your, your earthly relationships, the deeper you fall in love with someone, the more you want to give, the more you want to bless them. We understand this on an earthly, relational, horizontal level, if you will. But the same is true on the vertical level, that the more that you fall in with him, the more that you fall in love with God and what he's doing and what he's done in your life, then it's natural the more that you want to give and bless him. Watch this, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. Here's what Paul says. He's been going for a chapter and a half, and here he goes, and he says, the point is this. I don't want you to miss this. I want you to understand this. In case, in case you've misunderstood, I'm going to be very clear. Here's the point. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each man must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. In other words, that we don't give out of guilt, we don't give out of manipulation, and we don't give begrudgingly, we don't give because we have to, because we're afraid God's going to get mad. Scripture says that we give because we're so deep in love with Him that it's, it's just natural to give. In fact, is the word cheerful comes from a Greek word, hilarion, where we get our word hilarious, to where when you give what Paul was saying... You ought to laugh and say, I can't believe we can give this much. I cannot believe that we're at the point in our life that I actually can give this much. Fact is, look at it this way. How about on your anniversary? How about if you're celebrating your anniversary with your partner and your, your, your spouse and, and you take the gift and you stuff it in a brown paper bag and you kind of wad it up and go into the living room and throw it on their lap and says, here, here's your anniversary gift. It was way too expensive. I didn't want to go to the mall. I didn't want to get it, I didn't want to buy it, but I knew if I didn't get you a gift, you would be mad and I'd have to live with that for the rest of the year. So here, happy anniversary. Do you feel very blessed? Absolutely not, but what if? What if your spouse took a gift that wasn't even worth that much money and wrapped it and put a bow on it and handed it to you and said, you know what? You're worth so much more than this. After all you've done for me in marriage and life and being a partner, I just got to tell you, you're worth so much more than this. And when the day comes that I can give you more, I'm giving you more because you're worth it. See, that's what Paul was saying. Paul was saying this, yeah, it's possible. I understand that. You can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. We're wired that way in relationships that he goes on. Verse 8, he said, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Here come some promises. There's promises all the way through this. As it is written, he has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. He's given to the poor through you, by the way. His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower, the one that gives, in other words, and bread for food, will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. God promises over and over in Scripture. You give. You give with the right motive. You give with the right heart. You give not with any ulterior motives, and I will bless you. Verse 11, he goes on, and you will be enriched in every way. Why? 
to be generous in every way. We are blessed to be a blessing. We are blessed to bless others. It's not about self-indulgence. It's not about all about us. He says, you're blessed to be generous in every way. And through us will produce thanksgiving to God. Now listen, I really struggled with even preaching on these verses because we have a thing going on in the U.S. right now, and you know it. Prosperity, gospel, media, pastors, and, and they're ripping and torturing and just ripping this verse out of context. That... During this week, I'm like, I don't even know if I want to bring this up. Because there's men out there with ministries that say that if you will give to their causes, if you will give to their ministries, if you will see a sow, uh, see, see, uh, sow a seed, I'll get it. It just frustrates me, I promise you. If you will, if you will sow a seed of $10, then God will give you $1,000 back. It's just how much do you want? How much do you want the harvest? If you sow a seed of, of $100, he'll give you $10,000. You've heard this stuff about that if you sow a seed, if you give, then God will make you rich and you'll drive a Mercedes and live life large and have the big house. And, 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 it, and that's why you and I have got to decide, are your beliefs American beliefs or biblical beliefs? Because see, when America, when we talk about prosperity, all we think of is money. It's a huge commentary on our generation. It's a, it's a horrible commentary, if you will, that when we think of prosperity, we only think of money. Listen, if we give to get, if we just give so we'll reap that harvest, God will not honor that type of giving. Listen, I can go out on the streets. I can tell a non-Christian, if you give me a $100 bill, I'll give you 1000 back. They'll do that all day long, whether they love the Lord or not. A non-Christian could give under that. And he said, you give, I'll enrich you in every way. Not just materially. I'll make you rich in relationships. In grace. I'll enrich you so that you know you are totally and completely forgiven because you're in love with me. And I'll give you grace. And I'll give you forgiveness. And I'll enrich you and every way so you can enrich others. See, believers should be the most generous people on the planet. Not just monetarily, but we should be generous people. We should be the first people willing and generous with forgiveness because of what we've been forgiven for. And acceptance and love and not being judgmental and maybe God wants to make you rich in faith. And maybe God wants to make you rich in character. And maybe God wants to make you rich in humility and family and relationships and, and friends. But every, understand this. Not everyone can handle a financial blessing. Too much is given, much is required. And so the question is, do I believe that God wants to bless his children materially? Absolutely yes, but not just to indulge ourselves. My motivation to make more is to give more. Your motivation to make more is not so that you can just indulge yourself more, but so that you can be a blessing to others. Listen, prosperity just isn't measured in dollars. In fact, 
Material prosperity has nothing to do, no correlation to spiritual prosperity. If so, Donald Trump would be a saint and Mother Teresa would be a sinner. Nothing to do. And we are blessed to be a blessing to others. This issue is so passionate in my life. It's not even so much about this church. It's between you and God. And God doesn't want your money and God doesn't need your money, but He needs your heart. He wants you. And He knows the, the, the hold and the grab that this materialism and money has on us. And that when we give it, it's an act of love. And God's rewards to those who give is not always immediate. We just got to look at this verse, verse 28. But hang on. <laughs> Back to 6. His rewards are not always immediate. And when a farmer sows a seed, he doesn't reap in the same season that he planted, right? His rewards aren't always immediate. And just because you give does, doesn't mean that you're going to win the lottery the next day. And it just doesn't mean that there's going to be a financial next day. And God's rewards are not always immediate. And we've got to understand that sometimes possessions may not be a blessing in life. Last week we looked at the rich young ruler in Matthew chapter 10. And his material wealth became a curse in his life. Remember we looked at that scripture and, he, and Jesus talked to him and his trust was in wealth, his trust was in riches. The fact is, it was his prosperity that kept him from coming to Jesus. Jesus never told the rich man that if you sell all, or he, he didn't tell the rich man if you sell all you have, all of your resources to the poor, then you will earn salvation. He never said that. Salvation, come, follow me. Give to the poor. So Jesus talked about giving right at that statement. He says, give to the poor and guess what? You will be blessed. Give and it will be given to you. And so Simon Peter, when Jesus says, come and follow me, and, and the man trusted in riches and couldn't trust in Christ and he walked away sad is what the scripture says. Simon Peter in verse 28 was always the guy that said stuff that everybody else was thinking but nobody else wanted to say. Verse 28, here's what Simon Peter said to Jesus. He says, see, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus, I just want to make sure you recognize what we have done for you. And Jesus said, truly I say to you, there is no one who has left houses or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the sake of the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time. Listen, this verse was huge in my life. When we left family and we left relatives and we left friends and came to a different land to plant a church for the cause of the gospel, I lived through this verse. Who receive a hundredfold now and this time. So some of them are immediate, but they're not all. Houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in this age to come in eternal life. But many who are first will also be last and the last first. And scripture says that if you sacrifice anything for him, 
May it come back to you a hundredfold. In this life, in the life to come. Fact is, most of our rewards are waiting for us in eternity. And God keeps accurate records. He sees everything, and he's, he's a debtor to no man. And Scripture says that I'll bless you in this age, in the age to come. And sometimes it's delayed, and sometimes it's eternity. And I am so rich in relationships and friendships in Pueblo, Colorado. It's not all money, and it's not all prosperity. But God promises, you give. Man, I'll reward you, and it's not always immediate. Verse 11, you'll be enriched in every way. Why? To be generous in every way. Which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. And Boy, we are blessed to be blessed and to bless others. One man was generous and also prosperous, and he had a friend, and he looked at him and says, How is it that you give so much money away, and it seems like you... And you, it seems like you just keep getting more and you have so much. How is that? He says, you know, I don't know. I can't figure it out. He says, I can only explain it like this. I, I shovel it out. God shovels it in. And I guess his shovel is just a lot bigger than mine. <laughs> Man, you give. See, giving what Apostle Paul said, giving meets the needs of others. Whether you realize it or not, when you give to this church, when you give to a ministry that is reaching others, you are meeting the needs. It says, Scripture says earlier, remember, that God says, I will give to the poor. Guess how he gives to the poor? Through you and through your giving. Verse 12, for the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. One of the reasons that the younger generation has so many issues with the local churches is this, because they see the local churches just indulging themselves. Bigger buildings, more stuff, spending all of their resources on themselves, and they don't care about the poor. They don't care about the downcast. They don't care about the outcasts. They don't care about the hurting people. And Scripture says that when you give and when I give, that we are ministering to the poor. See, in the New Testament, the New Testament believers, they would give to the church, and then the church would disperse the income, they would disperse the resources to the poor and to the needy and to the hurting, and to start other churches for evangelisms. And when you give, you're meeting the needs of others, physical needs, emotional needs, spiritual needs, needs, physical needs. And giving, it is a testimony to God. In fact, this giving is part of your testimony. Verse 12, watch this. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but what? But it's also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission flowing from your confession of the gospel of Jesus Christ, your testimony, and the generosity of your con contribution for them and for all others. Listen, people of this world are not impressed by our talk. They're not impressed. Non-Christians aren't really impressed that you go to church. They're not really impressed that you read the Bible. They're not really impressed that you maybe memorize some scripture. They're not really impressed that you go to Bible studies. But I tell you what, when you start giving out of your resources, you're now talking their language. 
When you start giving grace to people, when you start giving acceptance to people, giving is a part of your testimony. Two years ago, we adopted Span Elementary School, and, and uh, you know all that we've done there with school supplies and everything else. The last two years, we've supplied them with a basketball coach up until our involvement, our adoption with Span Elementary. Those kids didn't even have a basketball team because they could not find a parent. They could not find anybody willing to volunteer in that school and go into the school and deal with some of the issues. Do you realize we put coaches in that school? And Spad Elementary now has basketball put back into place and some huge things are taking place in the kids' life. We give them school supplies. We give them coats. We do other community ministries within our community that we just give money away. And that's the reason our community has taken notice of Fellowship the Rockies. Not because of what we do on Saturday nights and not because of what we do on Sundays, but they're taking notice because there's a group of people who are willing to give. Because, see, the world knows for us to be able to support Span Elementary School, for us to su support all the community ministries in our community, someone had to sacrificially give to someone that they may never meet. Someone that they may never know. Someone that they may never lock eyes with this side of heaven. And it's because of that that this community has taken notice. And we have been invited to the table with about 10, 15 other community leaders from, from commissioners and, and city council members and city manager and uh, other heads of departments. And they have invited Fellowship the Rockies to the table to help answer this question. How can we help the community at a greater way? This is unbelievable for a church to be invited to the table. It wasn't because of what we do on Saturday nights and not because of what we do on Sundays. But it's because they take notice of the testimony of the giving, the generosity of people that are willing to adopt an elementary school. Willing to meet the needs of the outcasts, the hurting, and those in pain. And giving is an expression of our thanks to God. Man, when we give, man, we're telling Him just thank you. Thank you for being so generous. See, He was pretty generous for us, right? When we needed a Savior, we needed forgiveness of sin, when we needed help, He gave His firstborn. He gave his first, his best. He didn't wait for us to straighten up and get our act together and get better at anything. Scripture says while we were still sinners, while we were still trapped in our sins, he died for us. And then God gives generously. God gives cheerfully. Hebrews 12, 2 talking about Jesus going to the cross here's what the scripture says looking to Jesus the founder and perfecter of our faith who for the joy seems kind of strange and odd for the joy that was set before him he endured the cross despising the shame and seated at the right hand of the throne of God He didn't go to the cross because he had to. In fact, is, John would say that no one took his life from him. He laid it down on his own accord. He had the power to pick it back up. You're giving. Your giving is telling God, thank you. 
You ever done something really nice for someone? You sacrificed, you give them a great gift, and they didn't send you a thank you note? They didn't say thank you? If you're like me, that kind of disappointed you. It kind of hurt. Do you realize that every time you give, you're telling God, thank you? Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your acceptance. Sometimes we can be so generous in gifts with everyone around us. And then when it comes to him, we close our heart off. And we come up with all the reasons why we can't give. And through this series and three sermons and been talking about this issue that if you'll give, God will bless you. And if you give, God will... I mean, giving's a lot like giving blood. Just as your body replenishes the blood... God replenishes the resources. Had a young man in our church, and he told me the story in between services. And he says, you know, he said, uh, he says, Saturday we were, we were at McDonald's, and I had my daughter, who's about four, and, and my wife, and we're sitting in McDonald's, and, and I went up and ordered, and there's this, this homeless guy that was ahead of me, and he says he was really dirty, and I could tell he was homeless, and, and he looked really hungry, and so he pulled out about five or six dollars, and it was all crumpled up, looked like it was really dirty, looked like he found it, and, and uh, so he said he, he just bought a cup of coffee, and so he went off and set off to his self, and I was kind of wondering about, is this man hungry? And so he said that, uh, he said that we ordered and, and took our plates and we sit down and, and I'm, watching, I'm watching this man and he says, you know what, I could, not, I could not get this man off of my heart. He said it was like wrecking my life. I mean, I could not concentrate on my, what my wife was saying, what my daughter was saying. I wasn't even enjoying our time together because I, I couldn't quit thinking about that man that wondering if he's going to go away from here hungry and he's just getting some more coffee to... To, to repress his hunger and everything else. And so he said, I, then, he said, then I started doing battle in my mind. What if I buy him some food? Would he be offended? Would he be hurt? Would he, you know, how would he accept that? And, and, should, and so he said, finally, I just says, God, I give up. I'm, I'm going, I'm going. And so he says, I went up and I went up to the, went up to the man and says, excuse me, uh, do you like something to eat? And he said, the man looked at him and says, man, I'd love something to eat. He says, well, what do you want? Hamburger, cheeseburger, what do you want? He goes, I don't care, I'll eat anything. So he said, he goes up to the restaurant, or up to the register, and uh, he says, I'll take two cheeseburgers and an order of fries. And, and uh, so she started punching on the deal, and she, got, and she goes, oh, man, I hate it when this thing does this. And she's punching numbers and griping and complaining. So he says, hang on, i got to get the, 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 the manager. And so the manager came over, and said he started punching he says hey sir i'm sorry for your inconvenience guess what this meal is just on us today here's your burgers and go on <laughs> and he says you know what god it was only four bucks but he says you know god taught me a huge lesson regardless of what it is god cares about my giving god cares about me gen being generous and it brought home the principle you know what if i'll just give i'll just give Every time you give, and you're telling God, thank you. 
Thank you for the blessings that are in my life. Thank you for how you so richly bless me. And I'm just telling you, if you hang on to what God has given you, your heart will get smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. Toward the day may come when you lose your soul. The rich young ruler. How about Tiger Woods? That in his confession talked about the curse, if you will, of prosperity. And talked about how I made so much money and I was so successful. I felt like I was above the law. I felt like I could, I could indulge in anything that I wanted because I deserved it because of my riches and because of my power and because of my wealth. And he said, unfortunately for me, because of my prosperity, sin was always with me. And if you're not careful and you close off, the day can come when you just... And you lose your soul. It's possible to give without loving. It is not possible. I'm just telling you. It is not possible to love without giving. And we have a danger in America of living with this scarcity mentality that says the more I give the less I have that's not right living the kingdom principle is this the less I give the less I have the more I have the more I give or the more I give the more I have I don't understand it Jesus, when he, when he fed the 5,000, most unbelievable story. He started out, get this, he started out with five loaves and two fishes, two fish. And he blessed them, and he fi fed 5,000. Huge miracle. Impacted my life just hearing the story. But you know my favorite part of that story is he ended up with more leftovers than he started with. Teaching that principle. I can give a personal testimony. After many, many years of tithing, that God can do way more with my 90% than I can with 100%. That I can end up with more than I started with. And so here, here's my challenge. Would you join me? Would you join the pastors? Would you join others that are already giving? Would you join with us? It's more than the money. God wants your heart. God wants your life.
Let me just talk real quickly with a couple of groups of people and we'll close. If you're here this morning and you're a non-Christian and you've been attending our church and you've been checking out Christianity and trying to figure out uh, what you think about it, if you're a first-time visitor, if you're a guest of this place and, and you don't even know if you want to make Fellowship the Rockies your home, then I'm not even talking to you. If you're a non-Christian, I'm not even asking you to give. fact is, I'm asking you to do what Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Give first yourself to the Lord. Oh, another first in Scripture. Give first yourself to the Lord. Come to the point where you ask Him to come into your life and forgive you of your sins and start a relationship with Him. If you're a new believer, man, if you've just accepted Christ and you're trying to figure out this whole Christianity thing, and your head's swimming about, man, church and Bible study and this doctrine and that doctrine and all this other stuff, then I would just tell you, mature in Him. And as you progress in the faith, begin to start trusting Him with your resources and, and your money. If you would consider yourself a long-time mature Christian, and you're not giving... I am challenging you to trust Him with your resources. There is a time that we are spiritual baby when everybody else feeds us and everybody provides resources for us and everybody takes care of us, but there has to come a point in life to where you grow up and you begin feeding yourself. Give and watch what God will do. Not everything will be perfect, but you'll have a relationship like with Him like none other in your life. One last group that I want to speak to that I was unaware of that was in our church and after a bunch of emails and talks in the hall that we have some women that are, are married in our church and they says you know what I do my heart's breaking that I want to give and I want to honor God with my money but my husband won't he refuses to some their husband doesn't attend here and as a lost person I completely understand that others their husband would consider himself a believer and attends here with her what do I do and those conversations are emotional those women are carrying a lot of weight. You see, we live in a time and we live in a culture where men are no longer the spiritual leaders of their home and of their church and of their community. They're no longer leading. And so I'll tell them what I've told you. That if you have some income of your, on your own, if you have an allowance, if you have some money set aside, if, if you have income on your own, then give that. If you don't have any income on your own, then you're going to have to come under the authority of your husband, whether he assumes that spiritual authority or not. Because Ephesians 5 and Genesis says this, that God will hold the man responsible for how he led. And you just pray for him. And you encourage him. And this next men's Bible study, I'm going to talk directly to men some things that we're looking at doing here, how we can help men 
rise up and be spiritual leaders within our body and within our church. And I understand so many men are intimidated by their wives because they're going to their wives are going to Beth Moore and they're quoting Beth Moore and they're reading manuals to them and, and they know way more scripture than they know. And I understand all that. And we're going to help you. My call, my challenge is simple. Not because we need your money, not because God needs your money, but because God needs your heart. Will you trust Him?